Craig. I get to be one of the pastors around here. I'm thrilled to be with you this morning. It's a huge joy. We just wrapped up a series last week where we talked about our priority as a church family, what we're really going to focus on in 2024. There's lots of good things that we could send our attention toward, a lot of important things. We're saying as a church family, we're going to send our attention, our awareness is going to spiritual formation. As Paul said in uh, his letter to an early church, he said, I have the pains of a mother in labor until Christ is formed in you. We want to be a community where Christ is formed in us. We believe that when we stand before Jesus, one of the most important things, the work we will bring is the work he did in us. That internal work. We want to see Christ formed in us. We said that priority has two parts. Being with our rabbi and then doing what our rabbi does. That's how we experience spiritual formation. We also, we also, and this is a very important distinction. I just, I just want to be heard on this. Then you can cash out, all right? But just hear me, hear me say this. Then you can go back to whatever it is, you know, you're Googling the Grammys. Do you know that's tonight? Who cares? We have identified as a church family eight characteristics of maturing disciples that we want to focus on. It's very important that you hear me say maturing disciples and not mature disciples. You may have met some of these folks. They go around saying they're mature Christians. Whoo! Watch out. When you meet a mature Christian, you just know where the party just left. We don't believe for a second, we don't believe for a second that we can arrive, that we can hit this status where it's like, oh yes, now I'm a mature Christian. If you ever think I'm wrong about anything, it's probably because of some unrepentant sin in your life. Because I am a mature Christian. No, that's not here. We're focused on being maturing disciples of Jesus. It's a process. We are all in this process and you know sometimes we leak Sometimes I think of my spiritual life, like, do you remember that scene in Dunkirk when they get on that boat and they think, we're headed towards safety, and then they start shooting it, and they just put their hands up to, to stop the water? That's sometimes what it feels like spiritual formation can be. Like, man, I used to be really angry, now I'm not. We're in process. So over the next eight weeks, from now till Easter, we want to focus on these eight characteristics, these eight processes, and please, please, I'm in process. We're all in process. Nobody's going to get to the place where they're like, okay, these eight characteristics are a checklist that I am rocking. Did it. Got the t-shirt. Moving on. We are in process. It may sound funny to many of you to go from talking about spiritual formation to talking about leadership. It's like, wait, wait. Like, one feels like we got a cup of tea. We're walking in a cool forest with Jesus and we're just thinking about peace and we feel the breeze and the other one's like, I want that mountain. That's, 
We gotta just we just gotta do some housekeeping work before we start. We're gonna we're gonna take this spiritual formation priority and we're going back to the Gospel of John. That's where we were at the end of last year. We're going back to the Gospel of John saying, how can we be formed as we go through John's gospel? And we really think that this is an opportunity to lead, that we can lead. And in in the church world, when you start talking about there's like two camps of people, there's like the spiritual formation folks, then there's like the leadership development folks, and they don't often talk to each other. One side is like, hey, how big's your church? The other side's like, hey, what are you feeling? And they don't ever turn and talk to each other. We want to talk about this whole leadership idea, but we just got to do some housekeeping things and be like, talk about what we're not talking about when we talk about leading. When we talk about leadership and leading, there can be a lot of misunderstandings that we bring to that. And I think some of that is because we're talking about different types of leadership. One type of leadership, let's call it organizational leadership. Organizational leadership. Those are like the Sheryl Sandbergs of society, the Jeff Bezos, the, the young entrepreneurs who come into a company and they're like, all right, here's what, here's what needs to happen. You employees focus on this. Stop spending that. We're going there. There's a temptation in our culture to idolize that kind of leadership. That is not what this series is about. Now, many, in you, many of us in here may be organizational leaders. And some of what we're talking about as we follow Jesus, that may have implications for us as organizational leaders. But please be like, I'm a stay-at-home parent. All right, I don't need to hear a, a series on leadership. All right, I just want to say, this, this is not what this is about. This is not like, hey, go be a CEO. We're all CEOs for Jesus. Let's kick butt and take names and don't look back. That's not what this series is. The other type of leadership that we're not talking about here, you'd call it situational leadership. Situational leadership is if we're on a hike in the woods, and if I'm leading the hike, we're going to get lost. But a situational leader is someone who arises and says, okay, here's what we need to do. All right? You've got water. You've got cliff bars. You two, you're in the back. It's like, oh, man, they know what to do. It's, it's like when you're playing dodgeball and, and blood everywhere. Situational, the nurse who comes out is like, all right, Here's what we do. And everyone's like, okay, we're okay. There can be a temptation when we talk about leadership to think that's what we're talking about as well. And there are messages that I heard, I heard a lot, and I really struggled with this idea of leadership because it's like, well, if I'm not leading and if I don't always know what to do, I'm like a loser. We're not talking about that type of leadership either. The type of leadership that we're talking about, you may, may just call it Influence influence. Now, I'm not talking about how to be an influencer. I also don't care about that. Influence. Everybody in this room has influence. The question is not, do I have influence? The question is, what do I do with my influence? The older I get, the more I realize the influence others have had on me. It's very easy for us to internalize messages from conversations that we hear from others, whether good or bad. People use words. Those words point us toward a horizon. Influence. You have influence if you are a stay-at-home parent. There are little people who are looking to you that your words really matter and it points them toward a horizon, whether life-giving or life-shrinking. I remember as a little kid... I was camping in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, and we were around a campfire. 
And I got, I got one of the, you know, the cool chairs. And I'm sitting in it, and my uncle comes up to me and goes, get out of that chair. Chairs are for adults. Put that coffee down. Coffee is for closers. No? Okay. And I just remember being like, I'm not wanted around this campfire. That's influence. That's a negative influence. We all have influence. You don't have to be a parent. Friends. Where do you want to go for lunch after church? Don't ask me. I don't, I don't like picking. I don't want people to think I'm a, I'm a bully because I really want to go to Olive Garden. They won't think you're a bully, they just think you have bad taste. <laughs> we all have influence. The question is, what horizon are we pointing others towards? As we jump back into the Gospel of John, we're going to be looking at the one parable the author, John, includes Jesus' life. Many of the other Gospels have parables galore. If you're familiar with the teaching of Jesus, he, he's what we would call today a sage. He was a wise teacher that people came to, and sages in the first century spoke in riddles and parables. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Like, I don't know anything about mustard seeds. What I and it requires further reflection. It requires our imagination. It requires sitting with it. You pour a cup of tea and you go for a walk. You think about these things. In, God, in John's gospel, Jesus tells one parable. We're looking at it today. And it's a parable about our influence. What horizon are we pointing people towards? And Jesus uses symbols that many of us are unfamiliar with. Shepherds. Now, I grew up on an alpaca farm in New Hampshire, and I still have no idea what shepherding was like in the first century. It's foreign to us. And so it's going to take some further reflection to just ruminate. Think about what's Jesus talking about? What horizon is he pointing us toward? How is he inviting us to use our influence? How is he inviting us to interact with those around us? And as he talks about shepherds and thieves, he sets us in a direction that we're going to call empowering. Leadership in the way of Jesus is all about empowering those around us. Not overpowering, but empowering. Jesus is going to say here, one of, the, uh, one of the most famous sayings of Jesus, John chapter 10 verse 10, Jesus says, I came that they may have life. Great sentence. Not done though. I came that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. Jesus came to enliven and empower us. And so if we're going to be with our rabbi, do what our rabbi does, that's the posture we need to pick up on as well. So Jesus lets us overhear a conversation where he's kind of chastising someone for bad leadership. And we get to hear that conversation. There were Pharisees uh, that they were in the temple. A guy who used to be blind comes in. He can see now. And they're like, oh, we don't like this because we think Jesus healed this guy. We don't like Jesus. We're jealous. Get out of here. And then Jesus says, I have thoughts about this kind of leadership. And we get to overhear Jesus presents two options for how we can interact with each other. Are we going to be overpowering or are we going to be empowering? Well, how in the world do we do that? Please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're going to read the first 10 verses and try to answer this question. 
How should we interact with each other? What does it really look like to use our influence to empower others? When you find John chapter 10, you can stand with me. And we're going to read this together. One of the things I like to do when we read scripture is when we're done, I'll just say, this is the word of the Lord. And you can reply, thanks be to God. Here we go. John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own out, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech. There it is. Same word for parable. Jesus used this figure of speech. But the, par- the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and may have it to the full. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? God, we want to experience that that full life. And we know that experiencing it means we have to have some interactions with others. God, help us to be open. Help us to be open to counting the cost of what it looks like to empower the people around us versus overpowering. God, we want to use our influence to point toward the same horizon you point us toward because we want to be with our rabbi and we want to do what our rabbi does. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Many of us, many of us in this room know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And yet, do we also know him as teacher and friend. Many of us know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We, that's awesome. We celebrate that. Savior, forgiver of sins. Lord, ma- ruler of my life. Hey, Lord, what do I do? Where do I go? I follow, I trust. But teacher, that's what the word rabbi means. It means teacher and friend. Teacher, someone who we look to to say, hey, how should we then live? What did you do? And then friend, companion. As we go through the Gospel of John, we want to say, hey, how do we do what Jesus did? How do we embody what he did? How do we learn from him what he did? In this passage, we see Jesus empowering others. It's really important, again, that we understand the context of this passage. Back in November 2023, we talked about John chapter 9, so just look at your notes. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't remember what I say as soon as I walk out this door. I don't expect you to either. 
In no, thank you. In November of, let's just be real, we don't, it's, and that's not what it's for. In November 2023, we talked about this guy who was born blind, and Jesus is walking around, and he encounters this guy. And his disciples ask, not helpful question, hey Jesus, who sinned? This guy or his parents? And Jesus is like, yeah, you're not getting it. That is not what this is about. So Jesus heals the man. The man goes where? He goes right into the temple. He's trying to worship God. Oh, it's beautiful, right? He gets healed. He's like, I want, to, I want to be with the Lord. Well, the religious leaders who are there are perplexed by this guy's presence. What are you doing here? Weren't you that blind guy? He's like, no, 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 I've been healed. And they're like, Mwah. we don't like this. And, and like, who healed you? He's like, I don't know, but he's probably the Messiah. They're like, well, no, we definitely don't like this. And so this is what he says to them. This is what the man born blind says to them in John 9, 32. Uh, he says, nobody, nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this, they replied, the Pharisees, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? What are they saying? Like, you think you're smarter than us? Huh? And then what do they say? They threw him out. Like, get out of here. That's where Jesus steps in. And he starts making a comparison. He goes right up to those religious leaders who had just kicked someone out of the temple, who was there to worship God. And he goes right up to it and he makes a comparison of shepherds and thieves. Look again at verse 1. He says this, Truly I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. So again, this is a parable. This is meant to engage our imagination. It's really interesting. Jesus doesn't compare this to like, hey, there's shepherds, but then there's also like less informed shepherds. So there's, there's, there's shepherds, then there's also like lazy shepherds. He is comparing shepherds, leaders, with thieves. And there's two words for thieves because there's two types of thieves. He's just covering it all. There's the thieves that like break in your house and steal your stuff. Then there's the thieves who meet you on the way and beat you up and steal your stuff. And Jesus is saying, like, if you're not a shepherd, you're that. You have two options when you interact with others. You can either be overpowering, that would be the thieves, because you have your own agenda. I like what you have, I'll take it. Or you can be empowering, being a shepherd, nurture, care. The question Jesus is asking the religious are we feeding others or are we feeding off of others? How do we use our influence? Empowering. We define em empowering around here as this. Empowering is the ability to release authority and maintain responsibility. Release authority. I want you to make these decisions. But maintain responsibility. I'm not leaving you alone in this. And that helps us fight two temptations. One temptation as we interact with other people is like... Nothing matters. I don't have any influence. Who's listening to me? I don't care. The other one is like, okay, I, you know what? If I, I'm going to influence, I'm going to really influence. And we're going to micromanage just the junk out of you. Protecting us from both of those ends. How do we, how do we interact with you? Are we empowering them? So there's a really fascinating thing that Jesus uses here. When you read the Gospels, and when you read any, any portion of Scripture, it's really important to pay attention to repetition. When the biblical authors repeat words, we know that choice implies meaning. 
papyra, the material they use to write on, is very expensive. These are carefully crafted pieces of literature. When they repeat themselves, they're trying to draw our attention towards something. When Jesus says that he, uh, when John recounts the religious leaders, what they did with this man, in, they used their influence and they overpowered him, they threw him out. That same word Jesus uses of his own leadership, throw out. He says this, the good shepherd, his sheep hear his voice, they follow him. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them because his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Here's what Jesus is saying. You threw this man out, and as you're throwing him out, I actually was leading him out. You were this unhealthy, life-taking, terrible, toxic leadership. We would call you a narcissist. And you threw somebody out. That was me actually leading him away from that. Jesus can redeem bad leadership. Oh, that's so good. Because no, but not all, we all know what it's like. We've all been overpowered on a spectrum. We've all, we all have those friends who you're like, hey, I have a question. Like, well, I have so many answers. Start your question and I'll just start talking. Even that. Jesus can redeem. He can redeem bad leadership. And that's empowering us. Look what this is. There's intimacy in, in the way Jesus leads. Listen to this. Verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd and the sheep listen to his voice. There's a New Testament scholar who talks about shepherding in the first century that shepherds would come up to their flock and they'd make a unique sound or whistle. And if other shepherds would copy that sound or whistle, the sheep wouldn't follow. There was familiarity with the tone of voice of the shepherd. Listen to what Jesus is saying. My sheep hear my voice. Again, there's intentionality in the words. It does not say, my sheep hear my words. Just because people tell you the truth from the Bible, they may not be leading you in the way of Jesus. We we can be toxic and orthodox. But sheep hear his voice. And that voice leads sheep to pastures, toward life. When we ask ourselves, do we want to let this person influence us? The question is, what horizon are they pointing us to? Especially with spiritual leadership. Is this just about building a bigger church? Is this just about, am I just a cog in a machine? Do they just need to volunteer for that? Like, what, what are we doing? No, no, no. Sheep follow the voice of their shepherds. And you have not just permission from this passage, I think you have an obligation to not listen to other voices. Our job as spiritual leaders around here is to influence you toward this. And the moment we don't, there's a door. Like, run away from us. Because there is nothing more dangerous than an unhealthy faith community. And when churches are healthy and functioning well, we think there's life there. We think it's really beautiful. And sheep hear his voice. There's intimacy. In the way of Jesus, when we talk about influence, there's a relational. This, 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 this rabbi we're learning from, we're learning how to influence, he's deeply relational. 
It's not just about, I need something from you, now do this. It's, I know you and I see you. That's empowering in the way of Jesus. Even this, the, the shepherd knows the sheep's names. How many times are you like, well, these people don't even know my name? Leadership, influence in the way of Jesus is not about empire building. It's about relationship. It's about feeding others. It's about empowering. That's the first thing Jesus is inviting us to. Are we feeding others? Are we nourishing? Are we pointing them toward the horizon Jesus was, that life-giving direction? Or is it about something else? And if it's about something else, we don't listen. Wrong number. Because anybody, anybody in this room with influence is not the creator of that influence. We steward influence. That's the second thing Jesus is telling us about leadership, about influence in the kingdom, about empowering. Do we steward influence or do we take power? Look at it. This is what Jesus says. Uh, again, listen to this in verse 7. Well, let's start in verse 6. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the parables did not, or the Pharisees didn't understand. They're pretty left brain. They're like, can we just get some propositions? Like, we don't need a story, man. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Literally, I am the door. What's he saying when he says he's the door? He's already said that to get to the sheep, you got to go through the door. What's he saying? I believe this is just a reworking of what his last words were to his disciples in Matthew's gospel. His final words to his disciples in Matthew's gospel were this. All authority in heaven and on earth is mine. What does Jesus say when he says, I am the door? He's saying any influence you and I have is ours on loan. Any power any, any say, oh, I want to lead people here. Anytime that, we're stewarding that. And we will, we steward that as people who give answers. As you lead, as you have friendships where you're trying to, where you're trying to be like, oh man, I think this is life-giving. I really want to influence people for Jesus. We, we will give an account for how we use that influence. See, one of the dangers, a unique temptation I think we all face in this cultural moment is that there literally is a category of people called influencers. And then we track the number of people they're influencing. And then we look at our world and say, well, who am I? I'm not really influencing people. I mean, they've got 20 million followers. I don't really have influence. Last week, Luke invited us to ask the Lord the question, Lord, what have you put in front of me? What is my world? Who's looking to me? Who can I influence? You can always find someone who has more influence than you. That is not an excuse to get out of the game. Like, well, I don't know. I live in Columbia, Missouri. Don't have much influence. You know, I just work at shelter insurance. What, 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 what say do I really have? No, no. It's about what has he entrusted to us and how are we stewarding that? There's a temptation to try to take influence, to try to manipulate things, to, to seem more influential or wiser than we really are. That's not the way of Jesus. We can't control who's moving toward us and who's listening. All we can control is what we do with that. 
When I was a kid, I wanted the attention of the popular kids. And I was always like, man, how come Donnie and Mike and Lauren don't pay attention to me? And then I look around and Jeremy and Joseph and Samantha were. I was like, oh, okay. There we go. Who are the people in your life who, you, who are listening to, who, who are moving toward you, who may look up to you? We're all being watched. And the question is, how are we stewarding our influence? Are we feeding others or are we feeding off others? Are people just stepping stones to get to the next thing? Or are we truly present? That's the question I think Jesus wants to ask us last. Whose horizon does our influence point toward? Listen, listen again with me to verse 9. I am the gate. He says it again. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and will find pasture. Do you hear that? They will come in and go out. They will find pasture. Look again at verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls the sheep by name and he leads them out. Again, I didn't grow up as a shepherd. This is all new to me. The sheep are in a pen. We, we, we all there? We get it? Sheep are stored in a pen. When the shepherd shows up, what happens? Verse 3, he leads them out. Verse 9, they come in and go out and find pasture. I just want to be very clear here. I'm going to say it, then I'll explain it, okay? We weren't made to live in the pen. The shepherd leads us out of the pen to find pasture. What can happen in the pen? Thieves jump in and ah, devour. What else happened in the pen? The man born blind goes to the pen. He's like, hey guys, this is great. I've been healed. Like, Get out. We don't, and it kind of messes our narrative. Out. We were not saved to be put in a pen. Now, I think this goes without saying, but I'll just say it. I love church. I've given my life to this institution called church. I don't think there's anything more beautiful than it. I think it's worth giving your life toward. I think a healthy faith community, whew, watch out, baby. I have a lot of friends who are pastors. And when these people, they're behind the scenes, they're having questions, they're deconstructing, they're like, ah, church, I don't know. It makes me really sad. I'm like, no, no. Do not give up on this thing. This is beautiful. And if we're following our shepherd, he leads us out of the pen, out of church. I believe church is a place where we all come, we get, we get shelter, we get nourished, we get filled up, and then we follow our rabbi back out into the world. You are not saved and given the spiritual gift of donut arrangement or coffee placement. You were saved as an accountant with a bunch of other godless accountants who don't know Jesus and you're the only Jesus they'll ever see. And when you follow your rabbi, you don't follow him from the accountants to the pen. You come to the pen and then you go back out into the world. That's following our rabbi. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about this whole thing of leadership and empowering. It's always costly. 
as we age, we all hit a certain point where we start to recognize like, oh, you know, I, I did my thing, right? Like I, I climbed the mountain I was supposed to climb. Now it's my turn to slow down a little bit, step into the background, and empower the people coming up after me. And you can see people who make that transition well, and you can see people who make it not so well. The people who make it not so well, they sound like I can sound sometimes, like this NBA, you know, back in my day, the NBA, big men didn't shoot three. It's like, what are, why are you just complaining? Empowering others is costly. I mean, we live in a world where it just seems like we get dog eat dog, where we have to fight for what we have, and now it's like, give that away? Uh, Curtis Jackson, the world knows him as 50 Cent. Curtis Jackson, before he became uh, into the music industry and a professional rapper, lived a very wild and difficult life. He was on the streets, he got shot. Uh, it's just a very violent life he lived. He said that nothing he experienced on the streets would prepare him for the music industry. We just kind of like chuckle at that, but like this guy living with all this violence, an American business industry giant is more ruthless than someone you're buying and selling drugs from and shooting guns. That's crazy. We're just all so comfortable. Yeah, it's business. We're so used to this world where like, we have to protect ourselves. No one's coming out after us. So empower others. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that when I'm ready. But to do it now, it's going to be costly. We're going to read on in this interaction. And Jesus says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And if we're going to be with our rabbi and do what our rabbi does, the challenging thing is there's an invitation for all of us to lay down our lives for the people we want to empower and influence. To live life with open hands and say, okay, what do you have for me today, Lord? This week I heard a story about a, a young woman living here in our city and her story started several years ago. There's a man and woman, they were traveling through Colombia. And I don't know much of their story, but I know there were, there were drugs involved. There was, they, they, were, they were trying to find a place to live. They were, they were displaced for a while. They, they just happened to come through Colombia, and there was a pregnancy. And the, the woman goes to the doctor's. And in the course of doctor's visits, it, they find out that the baby has a tumor. And it's a really bad tumor. And they, they said the position of the tumor, it was, it was covering airwaves, and it was really going to be dangerous when this baby was born. Fast forward, the baby is born. And is immediately rushed to the NICU. While she's in the NICU, doctors are able to operate remove the tumor, things are starting to look positive. But mom and dad bounce. Now there's this child in the NICU, a ward of the state of Missouri. There was a nurse. We'll call her Donna. Donna is a, is a disciple of Jesus. She's about ready to retire. She's a single mom. Her two kids are there ready, like the runway. We, we're getting there, baby. We're about to launch. 
After, after the kids launch, she's going to retire and live with her sister in Florida. Have you been to Florida? They do February differently there. Donna's looking forward to that. She walks into the NICU. She sees this little girl, a ward of the state of Missouri, and she hears her shepherd's voice. What if retirement looks different, Donna? Donna adopted this baby, laid down her plants, and her life looks different. This all happened in the early days of COVID. You can imagine this young girl, she has a terribly compromised immune system. And the doctors are saying, we don't know how long this girl has to live. But you know what Donna committed? Whatever time we have, I want this girl to know that life is about love. And so she's taking her to church, and there is a church in this neighborhood, won't say where, where that little girl is a joy and is deeply loved. Now, you want to talk about influence. A nurse was able to influence her faith community, which influenced me, and now I'm influencing my faith community. But in order to have influence, she had to lay down her life. And the beauty that we're going to see in John chapter 10 as we keep going through this passage is every time we take our lives and every time we put something in God's hands, he doesn't hand it back broken. Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake, it'll be lost forever. No. If you lose your life for my sake, hope you had a good run. If you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. He came that we would have life and we would have it to the full. What are we going to find as we sit with our rabbi and we do what our rabbi does? Father, we want to hear your voice. God, we want to be people who empower. We don't want to be people who overpower. But Lord, we know that the cost of admission is our lives. But God, we're grateful that you went first. And on the other side is resurrection. Father, I pray that you would empower us as we sit with you and as we do what you did. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.